Hello and welcome to the United Sisters podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Okoje, but my friends call me Omo. I'm a doctor, a mom, an entrepreneur, business strategist, transformational coach, and the founder of United Sisters, an organization dedicated to inspiring, empowering ladies whilst challenging the status quo. I am obsessed with helping women find their voice and understand their true potential, purpose and passion, regardless of their creed and culture. This podcast is dedicated to helping you up-level every aspect of your life. Join me for today's episode as we unearth the power that already lies within you. Hello, ladies. This is your girl, Okoje. Could I just start by saying Happy New Year? But I know when you will listen to this, this will, will probably be into February. So just saying hello. Today, I have a very special guest. I know I always say this, but I'm super excited to have someone who's become one of my dearest and longest friends. We've known each other since we've been six. We went to primary primary school together. <laughs> We've stayed in church. Our parents are so close. She's a really dear friend of my ladies and gentlemen, or should I say ladies, let me introduce you to Ezefwa. Ezefwa believes in wholeness and magnificence of every human being. She explores, educates and promotes research and interventions that actually elevate optimum human functioning and well-being. On that note, she's a positive psychology practitioner and a coach. By background, she's a lawyer and she's actually trained with one of the top, top groups that actually started the whole positive psychology movement, the Flourishing Center. She's a licensed emotional intelligence practitioner with the Six Seconds Emotional Intelligent Network in the USA. She's a wife and a mom of three daughter, and she actually runs her own coaching practice as a hu- um, her practice whole human. Ezefa loves to write poetry for well-being. She actually does a lot of life coaching, parenting coaching, and she actually works on works based on evidence-based practices of psychology. She helps children, youth, families, individuals, and human systems entirely to flourish. That is just a catalog of skills that she's got there. So I just want to introduce you ladies to my dear friend, Ezefwa. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Omar, for having me. Or would I rather say Akoji for having me. <laughs> when, hey. we, when we call the baby names, we know the baby names. Six years. <laughs> so, yes, I used to be, or I'm still known as Omar, but you've known me since I was six. You're allowed to say Omar, but yeah, Akoji. <laughs> Do you remember you're older than me with just 10 days? I know. I know. And you, I we, you keep, re- yeah, you always remind me every function we come, we go, do you realize you're, I'm like, I know. <laughs> and we've known each other for years. I don't know if I yeah. should be telling everyone because they can get all my secrets from you. <laughs> wow. Well, 
I'm a good girl. I don't I don't tell friends secrets. I'm a good girl. I'm a good girl. <laughs> so, therefore, you've done so much in terms of your career from law. Now you're doing positive psychology. You're doing coaching, and you really you really talk about well being. Can I just ask you what's really influenced your career this far? That's an interesting question. Um, so, I would say first of all, my history. I like to start from there. My history. Um, I remember when I was studying as a lawyer. I got a, I got the opportunity then in university to lead Bible study in school. I noticed that whenever I read scripture, what I saw was not just scripture through the religious lens that we look at it, but rather the insight I constantly got had to do with the human emotion, the human behavior. And I remember my topics used to be things like shame, fear, and how to navigate all of those. At that point, there was obviously something for me because at that point, of course, my parents had separated when I was five years old. And of course, you know the story. It was years and years of a lot of traumatic experiences. And when I had, I, for a long time, I wasn't living with both parents and so, much, so many things happened. But then I noticed that I started to have my personal struggles. I had no name for them. I could not explain them why I was so afraid, why I was excessively shy, just so many things. And then after I graduated, I started practicing as a lawyer. I just knew this was not the space for me because it was funny. I could literally see people when they embody intense, um, in quote, negative emotions that was weighing them down in their physiology, I could recognize it. And I think I could recognize it because those were things I had struggled with or I was still struggling with. So of course I decided at the moment, I said, you know what? I needed to find something to do where I could support people navigate the challenges that I struggle with. So that was the beginning of the journey. But if I wrap that question up, I would say the core things that I would describe it, if I want to use a scientific term, would be purpose. Because, and by purpose, I mean, I had to give meaning to my experience. My experience needed to make sense for me to heal. And the sense I got out of my experience was, I was called to do something with this. In fact, I recall I used to say, the pain that I feel will not go without purpose, without use. So that's purpose for me. And of course, you know, I'm a parent educator with coaching and all of that. I had to study parent education, positive discipline, because then I realized it wasn't just my parents' separation. That was the challenge. It was the tools they did not have to support us even in their separation. I needed to learn those tools for my own current family and my kids to support them. So first purpose has influenced my journey. It drives towards why am I here? Why did I have to go through this? Who can I support? Who, who should not go through this? And at a deeper level, we do not even need to suffer to thrive. What do you mean by that? So, so the typical psychology model would be you're ill, something is wrong with you, and then mm. you need to be fixed, right? Mm. So... Mm. It's, it's the illness model, right? But human flourishing, which is positive psychology, is saying 
we're not focusing just on what is wrong with us, mm. rather on what is right with us. That's a totally different model. Mm. But what I what I find really difficult is and in meeting people, which these are some of the things that create resistance in you moving your life forward, right? It's dealing with why something happened to you in the past, right? But do you necessarily need to understand why it happened? Or is it that you're trying to say you have to create a meaning for it, an empowering meaning that allows you to move forward, right? Yeah, so so this is what we know from research. We know that the human brain is a meaning-making brain. And what that means is for us to move forward, and not just for people who have real difficulty, both ways, for us to move forward and make progress, we actually interpret our experiences. We give meaning. The brain gives meaning to whatever happens. And sometimes the meaning may be correct. Sometimes the meaning may be wrong. So since we understand that that's how the brain works, it gives meaning, perception and meaning. It gives meaning to whatever it is we experience. We can intentionally create meaning out of negative experiences. Right, right. So, so I could, yeah, go, go on. Ahead. No, please go ahead. So I could, I could say, for example, oh, my parents caused this and I live in the bitterness and then the blame and then the unforgiveness. And I go, they could have done and they could have done. Or I could pause and say, you know what? I can identify and feel a lot of empathy and a lot of tolerance and a lot of patience when people go through difficulty because I went through that. I can learn skills to support myself and support someone else. I could tell a different story, which is actually what I've done. I've created a brand new story out of everything I've had to deal with. So tell us, tell us how you did that. Like, you know, where people say, yes, I, I created a new story. What did you practically do? So you said, you know, uh, you know, it's something that we've experienced together in your life. And I know it was a really challenging, challenging experience. Really, one day we probably will share that. But how could you make sense of that experience and what, how long did it take you to actually create a new meaning? Because you, <laughs> you've created a whole business around this and you're so successful in terms of parenting, leadership, training and all those things. How did you turn this negative experience practically into a positive experience? I know you said it's your purpose, but there was a lot of sadness, right? Oh, behind it. So, you said you said how long and when I wish I could tell you when but this is what I would start with I was on my way to law school trying to get into law school this some years ago this almost 15 17 years ago don't share right? too much don't share our age <laughs> yeah I won't tell them how old we are but this some years ago and I literally hit I still remember the point I was on traveling and I remember I heard Satan has desired, I'm Christian, by the way. Mm. I remember I heard Satan has desired to sift you as well. But I pray for you. Now listen to this. When you are converted, strengthen your brethren. So you know that scripture is like, oh, normal conversion. Oh, when you get saved for Christ. At that point, I was already a Christian. Hmm. So for years, I did not know what that meant, but I knew I had those words. And then as I started to search, one day I picked up and said, God, I used to cry and tear. In fact, let's not get into that with a lot of sadness. I remember lying on the floor and the scripture came back to me. And I picked up my Bible and I was checking for the Hebrew meaning, Greek Hebrew, one of them, Greek meaning 
of converted. Mm. And it says when you change your mind. Mm. Hmm. And as I started my well-being journey and studying, I realized that the mind is the brain. Hmm. And I realized that what God was saying to me then was when you change your brain, strengthen your brethren. So that's the big subject, right? But using that to answer your question, how did I make that shift when? The when has been a journey Hmm. of thinking about myself and my situation in a different way. So you changed your mind. I changed and I am still changing my mind. Hmm. And when I mean that, I mean literally changing your brain, changing the architecture of your brain or more, literally, by how you think, what you experience and how you see your world. So how do you do that practically? Practically, let me give you one insight, for example. Yes, there several please. <laughs> there are several ways. So one of the things I struggled with was what we call personalization. Anything that would happen, say if I have an argument with you, mm. for example, I would interpret my argument as I caused it. It's because I am bad. It's mm. because something is wrong with me on one side. Hmm. I would also interpret even good things that happened to me. I would not say, oh my God, look at what I did. Oh, my creator, this workshop and it's fantastic. I would associate it with someone else. Oh, something outside of me. (laughs) So using that as an example, one way I changed my mind was when I recognized that for me to embrace optimism and hope, which is the core skill in positive psychology, I needed to stop personalizing issues, to be realistic in whatever it is that happens. So if we have an argument, I would take responsibility for my part of the situation and I would recognize where you feel me. Hmm. Does that make any sense? Yes. Yes. So literally... How, what I, how I think about issues, how I interpret issues, the more I interpret issues through a lens that is realistic, responsible, and true, the more I change my mind. But how do you know that if you're feeling all these things, how do you know it's realistic and it's true? Because whose truth are you going by? My, my truth. Whose truth? My truth. The, you know, you know, the truth, one of the, one of the things I know that I struggle with, for example, is a lot of self-belief really, really. And so imagine going back to the first question you asked me how, and what has influenced my journey. Mastery is one core thing, right? That is important to me, gaining competence and mastery. But this is what was happening to me. The more I gained, I studied, I wanted to understand why, why do people behave like this? Why do humans behave like this? Why this emotion and why is that emotion? And how do I navigate? How do I be the human that I want to be? How can I support parents? How can I support families? Even when I was gaining skills, hmm. Omo, I did not believe, right, that I deserved to do the work that I do today. Is that was because of things that happened in your past? Yes, I did not believe that oh, you deserve, you deserve to do this work. You yes. deserve to, you deserve to have this voice. You deserve to have this idea and birth this idea. 
Mm. I struggled with that for a long time. So let me say this. This is one thing that can change your mind. Earlier when we started, we adjusting. We need to study. We need to study. We need to learn. When you learn new things, you change your brain. Hmm. So learning. You create, learning changes the brain. So these are just different tools I'm given. Learning, so for example, the moment I realized that mastery was a core driver for me, my self-belief started to come up. Hmm. I realized that, oh, it's not just that I did not trust in myself. It's that competence and mastery is my own personal way of motivation. If I do not know something well enough, I do not want to kill someone. So I want to learn it before I share it. Hmm. Just interpreting that differently Mm. Uh, instead of, oh, it's because I'm too scared. No, it's not that I was too scared. Yes, mm. I was scared. But underneath it, I need, I wanted to feel or know that I can ans- I can solve problems. Mm. And that in itself changed that self-belief. Is this making any sense? So for, you know, a lot of our listeners are really, we're really keen to understand the whole leadership journey. And one of the things the research shows a lot about women in particular is that we really don't put ourselves on the up for things. And yes, we are seeing a lot more leaders, uh, women in leadership, entrepreneurs and all these things, but there's a lot of self-doubt. And that is one of the main things that people, women really struggle with. I know you do a lot of parenting coaching, you do a family coaching, but you do a lot of individual coaching. But I believe that you do a lot of emotional intelligence and well-being. How, what would you want to share with our listeners that tools to help them overcome that self-doubt, which some of which you have talked about, but really, could you speak to a lady who is feeling like, I want to go for this job, but I don't deserve it. I want to go for, talk about these things in board meetings, but I don't have a voice. I don't believe in my voice. I want to be a top leader, but I don't want to be an aggressive man. I want to be my feminine self and still Uh get results. So could you speak to a woman who have those thoughts? I've asked you many questions, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Yes. So, so here is what I would start with. I think the life of a woman, it's interesting. It's funny or more. I rarely do I see myself as just female. Hmm. I'll just say that I see myself more as a human. That's another mindset, Mm. right? A human being with the challenges that my role as a woman poses, right? Mm. But a woman navigating self-doubts. It's interesting this question came at this time. First of all, I spoke about mastery. I'll go back to that. Mm. But the first thing is recognizing the core emotion that you feel. So we have, we, we typically would say, oh, negative emotions, positive emotions, right? Mm. And we do not want to feel doubt. We do not want to feel fear. We don't want to admit that we have those emotions. We, our relationship with our emotions are in, is either good or is bad. Yeah. So the first thing I would say is normalize emotions. Right. What we know is there are no good, bad emotions. You said the whole subject of resistance is we do not want to feel the discomforts. Mm. 
that we are experiencing. We want to numb it. Mm. So here is the thing. I want to take on a new job. I feel the fear because I'm not sure of what I'm going to have. I'm not sure of the experience I'm going to have. I don't feel if, I don't know if I'm going to be competent or capable to deal with it. And all the issues of competence come in, Mm. right? When we know that it is normal when you've never done anything before, you're going to feel fear because the human brain is wired to feel safe. Right. Our emotional brain is there to make, keep us safe. It's for mm. survival. That's mm. why it's there. And it's a good thing. However, just so the first thing is just know that the fear that I feel is normal because my body, my brain is trying to protect me from harm, from shame, from disgrace, from, from, from all of failure. those, right? From, from failure, yes. all of those. Mm. And it's normal. Protecting is normal. However, so when, when I say normalize it, I mean, literally, when you feel it, give it a name. So I'm saying to whoever is listening, name that emotion mm. by asking yourself, what am I feeling right now? Hmm. It's interesting. So this is what happened when you're able to give, when you ask yourself that question, what happens? You begin to think, right? Mm. When you begin to think, you begin to engage your prefrontal cortex, the part of the brain that supports you to think clearly, to make decisions more like the executive center of your brain, the part of your brain that supports morality, clear thinking choice, which really when you feel fear, you are not thinking, you're numb. You don't want to move forward. But by asking, what what am I feeling right now? And giving a name. To get the name, if it's fear, if it's shame, if it's overwhelm, if it's disgust, your prefrontal cortex needs needs to act. By doing that, literally, you calm yourself down. That is on the one side, just by naming how you feel. Mm. So when you name it, we say name it to tame it. You name Hmm. it, and when you give a name to it, you normalize it. It's okay that I feel this way. It's okay that I feel fear. You don't push it. We've been educated to suppress our emotions from when we're kids, yes. culturally. Stop crying. Is that why you're angry? Don't be angry. No. In fact, the human body was not made to store emotion in there. That's why we're sick. Part of why we're sick was hmm. supposed to let it out of us. Hmm. So I'd say to whoever is listening to this, normalize how you're feeling. And a simple way to do that is to treat yourself with more self-compassion. For example, I say to myself, I've never, for, I could just say, I've never been interviewed by Omo before. So I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know what questions she would ask me. So it's normal that I feel uncomfortable before I come in. Yes. Right. And Literally even giving yourself a hug. So this is a physiological thing you can do to yourself if it's before an interview. The human brain does not know whether it's someone else hugging and comforting you or you hugging. It just feels the touch. Really? Yes. And when you touch yourself, literally, the way I'm touching myself, you and I can see that, you actually release feel-good hormones. Wow. Oxytocin, the same way. So that itself calms you and suits you. So that is one way. Mm, I'm going to so be doing lots of hugging of myself. 
so I tell you, I tell you where I use this. I have a real phobia for flying. So when I get on the plane, I literally do this when we take off. I'm sure whoever sees the one, I just go. I go for, I, so instead of, oh my God, they'll see me shaking. They're going to mm. see I'm afraid that I'm nervous. And guess what? Once I begin to self-soothe myself, mm. the brain gets it, that we are safe here and I yes. calm down. So I've said, name it. I've said, normalize it. And the next is navigate it. Explore the emotion. Hmm. So you asked me a couple of questions, actually, because when you say navigate this, so maybe if you had a coaching session with me and I said, oh, I really wanted to go for this corporate job. What, how would you help me navigate that? So the first thing I not, of course, I may mean, not be the first, it's depend on what, what comes up while we're talking. But one of the things I would say to you would be, how are you feeling right now? Um, Scared. <laughs> Scared. Scared. Wow, get me out of here. <laughs> so so I could I could ask you if fear was your ally Omar, why is it here? If fear was your friend, what oh, purpose is it that. here to serve? Get me prepared. Hmm. Now I'm giving you a thumbs up. Get you prepared. So this is where I would, I wouldn't say this to you, but I would say this for the purposes of this is emotions and messages. Hmm. So I just asked you, if fear was your ally, what is it here to do? What purpose is it here to serve? That's saying indirectly that fear comes with a message, darling. So what's the message? And you just said to me, get me prepared. That's it. So for example, I could say, oh, what do I need to do? So what do you need to do to be prepared for your interview? Speak to other people, find out about the company. Yeah, I guess so. But sometimes ask questions. So you start getting your, you start asking yourselves in questions. You start, yeah, you get into prepared mode. Yeah. Thank you. So now you realize that things you would not have done before, you get to do them. Because mm. fear showed up. You do them and that way you feel ready. Does that make any sense? Okay, so let me just say this to you, right? One of the things, I, I mean, we kind of have very similar backgrounds in terms of how we were, you know, we're groomed growing up. Um, sometimes, as you said, you're taught to suppress your emotions, Right. But sometimes we are told those emotions push through, push through. Does that make sense? So these signals, it doesn't matter. Ignore them. Just push through and do what you need to do. You don't ignore it. You don't ignore an emotion. This is what I say. Emotions are. So emotions, they are actually in motion. Emotions move. In fact, we say at six seconds, emotions drive people, people drive performance. Emotions move you. If you imagine an iceberg, a lot of times we focus on behavior, mm. which, is the, which is the tip of the iceberg. Underneath your behavior are feelings and thoughts that actually create the behavior. So when they say push through, push through, ignore the emotions, the emotion is there and it's going to come up. For example, in children, when you see a lot of aggressive behavior, you go, this child is so restless, so aggressive, so this. Even in adults, come on, in adults, we're in families, right? When you see a lot of aggression, a lot of anger, 
those a lot of times are suppressed emotions hmm. that show up in other forms. Wow, that's deep. So in terms of the leadership front, this is, I mean, I really just want to even ask you about parenting, but we're going to have to do another call on parenting. Leave parenting today. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, when you say emotions move and one of the things when I'm leading my group or leading my team is to, how do I use what that knowledge to motivate or inspire people so what what do you what would you do in terms of emotional intelligence let me say this one of the things as a leader is I really do not like making people do what they don't want I like to inspire them but sometimes people then may read that as me being indecisive but I don't I don't it's not that I'm indecisive it's just I know that I want to get to the core of people to drive them to achieve company goal, their own personal goal. So knowing about emotional intelligence, how would you put that in the content of leading a group of people to increase performance? So so that's an interesting question. The first thing I would say is what you talked about is if I give a name to it is intrinsic motivation. You hmm. want people to be motivated from within and not yes. extrinsic from without, more like pays, pecs, and all of that, right? Mm. So this is where I would shift to positivity. From research, we know that positive emotions broaden and build. So I'll explain what that means. Hmm. Negative emotions in quotes, I like to put negative emotions in quotes because I said earlier on there are really no negatives, but you know what I mean? The emotions of fear and all of that, of guilt and shame, hmm. they, they narrow focus. They narrow focus, right? Hmm. Mm-hmm. But positive emotions broaden. So in terms of leadership, you want people to be motivated from within. Hmm. Create a culture of positivity. Okay, what does that practically mean? Because let me say this, there are going to be some ladies who are already in senior positions, some people in middle management, but also some people who are junior. But these are things they need to do whatever level they are at. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Because you don't have to be titled a leader to be doing these Everyone things. Everyone is a leader. Absolutely. In fact, you are first a self-leader. I <laughs> love the idea of self-leadership, first of all. Which really, that's that's actually what you're asking. How can I support these people to lead themselves? Okay, so break it down. How can I do that? So, so support these people to lead themselves. So a typical thing is when you when you need to correct, let me use that for example, when you need to correct, this is so subtle. We say connect before you correct. Huh. Hmm. So, and I'm using that, I'm using correction as an example. Here is the reason why. You want people to do the right thing. You want them to do the right thing because they want to do the right thing. Mm. Not because you said they should do the right thing. Right? Here, language comes in. How can I correct you in such a way that you feel respected, Mm. connected, and you really, really choose to do what is right. Hmm. So I could, I could literally say to you, for example, um, did you read through the email you sent to me? 
Did you read through that email you sent to me before you sent sent it out? Did you read it? Hmm. Did you hear my tone? Yes. Very um, judgmental. Great. Or I could say, oh, I got the email you sent to me yesterday. I was wondering if you noticed the errors in them. Hmm. How does that come across? A lot more nurturing. Nurturing, respectful. Mm. You would know that I have deep regard for you. I'm not judging you. I'm focusing on the, I'm not, I'm focusing on the issue and not on you. Hmm. Right. So, so the next thing to that would be focus on the solution and not the problem. Hmm. Right. So having at the back of your mind, the, the need to feel connected to the person and respectful of the person's individuality. So you connected to the person and the person needs to feel connected to you. So whatever you need to do to create connection, connection is a strong human motivator. Can I just say something? So yes, how do you build relatedness? So we're just going back. <laughs> how do you build? And it's honestly, it's from the very simple things, right? How accessible, how accessible are you to the leader? How welcoming are you walking to the office in the morning? Who are mm. you, the monster? Are you the monster or you are that person that everyone, everyone longs to just, oh, hello, good morning. From how you come in mm. to how you relate to your meetings, Meetings, for example, and other places where it's just all about meetings. What do you build within, even when you have meetings, to create a circle of connection? Hmm. So, for examples, so some people oh, at work sometimes we do this team hurdle, <laughs> where we t- we all we start the day five minutes and we connect, but it feels like a telling off session. <laughs> what do you mean telling off? Tell me in context, please. So it feels like it's okay. Do you remember? We need this target. We need to achieve this target. We need to make sure we do this. We need to make sure we do this. And yesterday this happened, blah, blah, blah. So it feels more like you're just telling me off, right? And um, and then you, some people like need that, need that understanding of where they need to reach. But some people just feel like, oh my God, I'm just going to be told off again today. <laughs> so so I, loved, I love the example you gave mm. because this is where, this takes us back to connect before you correct, right? Mm. How about instead of the, before that, you actually have appreciation. So it's, it's, it's practicing gratitude. So I could actually start off my meeting. I do this with, I do this sometimes by just simply appreciating what it is you did for me. So have a circle of appreciation right? I appreciate you. Oh, yesterday you did this. And I just wanted to thank you for this, Hmm. for supporting me this week. Just create a positive energy of appreciation. Guess what? The moment you do that, how you even correct changes because it's energy. It's Hmm. literal energy in the room. There is the energy of gratitude of appreciation in the room. So it literally Hmm. changes. And wow. we know, of course, gratitude is an elevator, is one core well-being practice. We do it to ourselves or we can share it with other people. Another quick thing I would say is for leadership, focus on strengths. Hmm. So you could actually, through correction, even though you want to correct, or even you don't necessarily have to wait when someone does something wrong to acknowledge strengths amongst your team members. Hmm. So, and you can do this throughout the day. We call it strength spotting. Right. 
So I could I could just say, oh, oh no, I love the way you asked me that question. That was such a curious question you asked, and it helped me think through. Thank you. Wow. I loved how kind you were. And you named exactly what it, the strength that you right. see that the person showed. That elevates. So you create a culture of positivity and well-being. And people feel motivated to act because they feel related. Hmm. Interesting. So, guys, I feel like you, as FO, has just shared so much with us. And I think this is one of those sessions in my soul that I feel like have to be broken into two parts. So what I'm going to ask is uh, we'll probably have to stop now, but... I can't wait to ask more questions on this point. So as FYI, I just want to say thank you, but stay tuned, guys. There's going to be part two. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you've loved what you've heard, which I'm sure you have, then please go ahead and share the love, leave a review and subscribe. I would love to hear your thoughts, your ideas, your aha moments and your breakthroughs. You can connect with me on social media, on Instagram or Facebook by searching for Dr. Okoje Omo Okunkwo. You can find my details on the show notes. I'd love to add you to our Facebook United Sisters group where you'll get a daily dose of inspirational thoughts and insights. I can't wait to connect with you on our next episode. But until then, go out there, be bold, be beautiful and just be you.